Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. Uh, this is week six of the 11-week winter term. So at the end of this week, you are more than halfway through. So congratulations for making it this far. Uh, we are in the process of being transformed into Christ-likeness. It's a day at a time. It's a moment at a time. It's a homework assignment at a time. So say with me again, we are being transformed into Christ's likeness. One of the ways that that's going to happen, or one of the ways that the Lord is going to help make that happen this evening is through the preaching of Pastor Will Mackey. Uh, some of you had Will Mackey as your professor for Introduction to Christian Service in the fall. Can I see your hands? Okay, good, 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 glad you're here. Uh, Will Mackey is a graduate of Nazarene Bible College, I think 92. 90-something, 93, and has served as an associate pastor and is currently the pastor of Northeast Community Church in the northeast part of Colorado Springs. So welcome him, would you? <laughs> Songs we're going to sing are going to help us hear and engage in what God has for us this evening. Stand and sing. Before we knew you, you called us. Before we cared about you, you loved us. Before we were interested in you, you beckoned us. You gave us life, and we didn't even realize it was you. And you've given us eternal life, and we know it's you. everybody. Good to see you tonight. Before I share from the Word for a few moments, can I tell you two bits of good news? First thing, I can do it. First thing, do you realize how much that the administration and the professors and the staff at this school absolutely love you? And see, I'm an outsider. I'm a local pastor who does a little adjunct work once in a while. But the men and women that you see day in and day out, these people care so deeply for you. They love you. They care for you. They carry such burdens for you. They're doing their very best to provide you with the very best so that you can go out and be God's very best. I just want to make sure you knew that. Secondly, the things you are learning here will be valuable to you in the ministry. I promise you, 
What you're learning tonight, you will use. Everything from math, that's right. You've got to be able to understand how to work with numbers as a minister, right? You've got to know percentages and ratios and all of that as you do your vision casting. Sciences, both physical and human sciences, all of your skills classes. There's a lot of work that went into designing them. And you will use that information in your ministry. Take heart. But you know what that means. You need to work hard. You need to read, study, discipline your mind. Take advantage of your education here. Number of years I sat where you're sitting now, wondering if I would really use this stuff. What they said was true. You use it. It's important to ministry. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about the most important thing in ministry. Now, as I said, what you're learning is important in ministry. But what is the most important thing? Is that possible to narrow it down to one thing that we could call the most important thing in ministry? Now, what I'm going to share with you tonight is not new. In fact, your administrators, your professors, and your staff have been telling you this all along. They've been modeling it. They've been teaching it formally and informally. But I want to add my teaching to theirs tonight. And I want to bring this subject in front of you one more time and plead with you to embrace it. Our Lord talks about this one thing on a visit to some friends in Bethany, Mary and Martha. Dr. Luke records it for us in his gospel, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And Jesus, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. I want to make sure you get the scene in your head. Jesus and the guys have been in the Northern Territory ministering, teaching, healing. They're on their way back toward Jerusalem. This entire trip, Jesus has been trying to get something across to his disciples. He's been trying to help them understand what will happen very shortly in Jerusalem. He is trying to help them understand that he came to go to a cross and to die for the sins of humanity. But this new truth that he's trying to press into their thinking is the opposite of what they have heard all their lives. And so they're having a difficulty in meshing the two. Instead of going right into Jerusalem, he stops by a little suburb of Jerusalem called Bethany. He calls ahead. Martha answers the phone. Hey, Martha, I'm in town. Can me and the guys drop by? We haven't seen you in a while. Sure, Jesus, come on over. She hangs up. 
She frantically gets her sister Mary, who was also there. We gotta clean the house. We gotta cook food. You know how Peter eats. We gotta get ready. They're almost here. And so they clean and they cook and they prepare for the guests that are coming. The doorbell rings before they're finished. Martha goes to the door. Hugs and greetings are exchanged. She escorts them into the living room, sits down, and then excuses herself to finish the preparations that need to be made. Only this time, Mary did not follow her. Mary sat right down and listened to every word that Jesus said. Well, you can see the scene in your head. Martha's in the kitchen. Takes her for a couple minutes. She's so busy to realize Mary didn't follow her. She looks out through the doorway there, and there Mary is, sitting right at his feet, Miss Lazy Bones. <laughs> so she goes back to work, and you can just sense that the stress is growing. She's mad. She's overwhelmed by the workload. And she absolutely cannot take it any longer. She is so stressed and so frustrated at this moment that she did something that she may have never done before. She barged in on company. She marches herself right into that living room. And she looks right at Jesus. And she says something she may have never said to him before. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me all alone? Jesus, I know you just showed up and you obviously didn't know what happened before. But Mary and I were working just fine before. But once you came, she stayed, I went. And now it's too much for me. Jesus, don't you care that she left me to do all this work by myself? And then she probably looks right at Mary and still talks to Jesus and says, tell her to help me. And then Jesus probably got up from the sofa, walked over to Martha, puts his hands on her shoulders, looks deep into her eyes, and says, Martha, my dear Martha, you are worried and you are upset about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has made the better choice and it will not be taken from her. When Jesus walked into the house, two ladies who loved him dearly made two very different choices. Both loved him. Both loved him. Do you hear me? Both loved him. But each chose to express that love in a different way. Martha chose to express it by seating him, greeting him, and excusing herself to go work for him, to go do preparations for him. Mary chose to express her love to him by being with him, by sitting down at his feet and fellowshipping with him. And Jesus brings both of those decisions together and says that one of those decisions is better than the other. Here's what he's talking about. Let me boil it down in just a simple concept. In ministry and in life, Jesus 
wants fellowship with us before he wants service from us. Jesus wants fellowship with us before he wants service from us. Fellowship with him is more important or should be done first. Now, I don't want you to understand this in a legalistic way. What I'm not saying is, is that before I can go out and I can do anything for him, that I need to have this hour-long conversation with him in order to get... I don't want you to take it legalistically. What I'm talking about is conceptually, in principle form. That we love him and we want to do for him. But he clearly says to Mary, to Martha, and he can clearly congratulates Mary, that Mary has made a better choice. And that when it comes down to serving him, we start with fellowship with him before we go do service for him. And that one is of a higher priority. One is of more value than the other. It's really the nature of the call, isn't it? Think about when the Lord called the disciples. What did he say to them when he called them? He said, come and what? Follow me. Come and be with me. Come and follow me. Not come and go over here and go over that and do that for me and do this for me. But first and foremost, come and follow me. And if you'll come and follow me, if you'll come in fellowship with me, then I will teach you how to grow the kingdom. Then I will show you the mysteries of the kingdom. That came with your call, did it not? When God called you to ministry, he did not call you first and foremost to go do for him. He calls you first and foremost to come be with him. And out of that being with him, we get the direction on what we can do for him. There's an order. There's a proper priority order. And Jesus makes it clear. In fact, all we have to do is look at Martha and see that the opposite of that does not work very well. Look at Martha for a moment. Look at the words that Luke uses to describe her. First of all, distracted. She was distracted by the preparation. Ministry was so overwhelming to her. She, had, she wanted to do such a good job. She could have been a perfectionist, we don't know, but she wanted to do such a great job. And it was so important for her to do it right and to please the Lord that the very ministry, the very service for him became a distraction from being with him. That happens, doesn't it? Notice what else he says. He said she's worried. She's troubled. Relationships are in trouble. The relationship between her and Mary isn't going so well, is it? The relationship between her and Jesus is just a slight bit strained, is it not? And then she does perhaps what is the worst of all. She comes in, looks Jesus in the eye, and tells him to tell her to help her. She starts to boss God around. Doesn't she? You know that Jesus is God, right? You guys are that far in your studies, right? <laughs> Just checking. Just checking, you know. Yeah, you're a week early. Learned that last week. So when we allow ourselves to become distracted from being with Jesus and we choose to serve him over being with him, 
doesn't work out too well, does it? Can I be honest with you? That's the reality of ministry. Can I make a bold statement to you tonight? That if you and I as ministers do not discipline ourselves and do not discipline ourselves to spend great amounts of time at the feet of the Savior and we attempt to go out and do ministry for Him without disciplining ourselves to spend time with Him, could I tell you that ministry will not be what you think it is? The pressures of ministry will hurt you. They will. They'll steal your joy. Ministry, if you try to do ministry and work for Him without spending time with Him, it will steal your joy. It will make you bitter. It will cause you to take on a victim mentality. Poor me. Everybody's against me. Nobody treats me right. It will hurt your family. It could ruin your marriage. It could distance your kids. If we try to serve God without spending time with Him, ministry will become consuming. It will become discouraging. And it will rob you of your health. To try to attempt to do things for God without disciplining yourself to spend time with God will make ministry a disaster. And when you get to the end of your life and you look back, you'll look back with regret and a deep sense of sorrow. Ministry is not designed to be done without the presence of Jesus Christ. Christianity is not a group of people who have gotten together to keep the memory of a dead guy alive. Jesus has risen from the dead. He is alive. Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not a system designed to uphold and keep in memory the teachings of a person or the doctrines of an organization. Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Ministry is a deep-seated fellowship with Jesus Christ. It is a day-in and day-out series of spending time with Him in private and then going out publicly to do what you heard Him say in private. That's effective ministry. We need that discipline in our lives. Why fellowship with Him? What's so good about that? What does that do? When you're sitting at His feet with Bible in hand and listening to Him, you have His presence. That healing presence that can make any wrong right. That can take the burdens you carry, that can take the frustrations that you feel and can bring a, a healing balm to it. Can instantly give you His power can instantly give you his perspective, 
can instantly bring peace to the whole situation. It is at his feet that you get his wisdom. It is at his feet that you hear his priority. It is at his feet that you get solutions for the problems that you face. It is at his feet where the Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit in your life and where the Spirit continually cleanses your heart, looking at your intentions and your motives and continually keeping them where they should be. At all cost, you must have this discipline. At all cost, you and I, if we are going to be ministers, ministry is not a normal life. I've spoken with many individuals who have come from the secular business world, high management in that business world, whose second call in life is to become a pastor. They go to school, they begin to pastor, and one after the other have told me that they did not know stress until they became a pastor. They did not know pressure. They did not know busyness until they became a pastor. You and I cannot do ministry without this discipline as a part of our lives. Ministry will hurt you if you attempt it. It will discourage you. It will ruin you and the ones you love if you do not start your ministry at the feet of Jesus and listen to him and fellowship with him consistently. Then he will call you to serve him. And then your service for him will be empowered, will be anointed, will bear fruit. My encouragement to you this evening is to get this discipline at any cost. Let nothing stop you. Well, you say, well, wait a minute. I'm busy right now. I mean, let's face it, I have work, I have school, I have family. I mean, life is busy right now. But one day, when I get into full-time ministry, then I'm going to really concentrate and get that discipline. Can I tell you honestly, that when you get into ministry, you're going to be probably a little busier than you are right now. Suddenly, when you graduate, you don't suddenly have all this time on your hands, not if you go right into a ministry. But if you don't have this discipline now, in the busyness now, you're going to struggle with having it later. It's not something to be put off. Well, you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about, can I just fellowship with him continually through the day? You know, practicing his presence, Brother Lawrence. I hope you've heard of Brother Lawrence. I hope you've read it. If not, I hope someone introduces you to him because I believe that, that you can practice his presence, that all day long you can be in a continual fellowship with him. But that continual fellowship is never meant to replace larger amounts of time sitting at his feet where you are giving the Lord your undivided attention. Ministry is the most wonderful thing in life to do. It is absolutely the most wonderful thing in life to do. But if you and I attempt to do it without the discipline of a consistent, deep fellowship with the person of Jesus Christ, it won't turn out like you think it will. Ministry will be a bad experience. I promise you.
Can I encourage you tonight as I close this in prayer? To talk to God about this topic. I can tell by some of your faces that you know what I'm talking about tonight. That you have experienced school and the pressures of life without really a discipline of a close fellowship with Him. And you know how that turns on you, doesn't it, don't you? You know how it happens. Can I encourage you to pray tonight? To bring this topic up again to the Lord. And to make a new and fresh commitment this evening. To learn to be with Him. There's nothing like sitting at His feet. Listening. Talking. Getting instructions for ministry. Lord Jesus, tonight, what wonderful people I am speaking to this evening. People who love you and who are dedicated to you at such a high level. People who have sacrificed for you. Who have put other parts of life on hold to pursue your call to ministry. To come to NBC and prepare. You are sacrificing at so many levels, their time, and their careers, and their families, and their finances, to be here to love you. Father, tonight, as we look at this story, as we look at what you clearly tell us, that you want to be with us before we go out and attempt to serve you. I pray that your spirit would help us. I pray that your spirit would help each of us understand where we are in our lives at this point. And I pray, oh God, that we would make a new and fresh commitment this evening not to be too busy, not to let the ministry or the preparation for ministry distract us from disciplining our lives and regularly sitting down with fellowship with you. Learning how to sit quiet before you. Learning how to hear your voice. Learning to distinguish the fabric of your voice from the world's. God, would you make us deep people more than anything in this world today. We need deep people people who are deeply in love with you and deeply devoted to you and people who are deeply serious about their relationship with you and people who understand that being with you is the foundation for doing for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. we exchange now whatever it is that we've made our worship of you to be trade it in we give it back we pray that you will help us to worship to live to serve to study to love to 
to work, to rest, so that everything that we do is all about you. We're grateful that you grabbed Martha and, and helped her see. You didn't give up on her. grateful that you've grabbed hold of us and helped us see again you haven't given up on us. Accept this renewed offering of ourselves, of our attentions, of our hearts of our priorities, this new, renewed dedication of all that we have and all that we dream of, all that we hope to be, all that we hope to do for you, we give it to you again, anew, afresh, receive it. Thank you for helping us see. And we'll trust you and your spirit and your grace to make it possible to make good on what we've just said to you. It's all about you. We give you praise. We give you praise and glory and honor. We give you praise. Amen. Amen. You're welcome to stay. You're welcome to go.